0: What's the one thing you want to be known for? Because that's what's going to help you create your, your, your tree, your actual tree stock. And then from there, you allow, you grow and become known for that. And then you can start to branch out. But if you're a bush and you just have so many things going on, you're going to stay right there to the ground. But by being a tree, you allow yourself like to build your one thing that you're known for. And then you branch out from there instead of being known from everything and just like not taking off from being known for everything. Because when you're known for everything, people don't know what to call you for. They don't know what your area of expertise are. They don't know how you can help them. But when you have an area of expertise, are like, bet, I have a real estate question. I know exactly who to call. I'm calling Xavier. Like, I know exactly who to call versus I don't know what he does, um, but I don't know. Just call him and see. Like, you know what I mean? You want people to be very sure about this is what you can help me with, and this is what I go to you for, especially early on. And I think that's a big mistake I see with people who make brands is- in fear of missing out on potential opportunities they try to touch everything instead of understanding that when you build a strong enough brand you'll eventually touch everything
1: gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars if you ain't gonna do it for yourself then do it for your mama only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit trying to learn some y'all gonna talk about it no, Deanna speak that shit that everybody voucher Ain't no more excuses, valid Get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper, I've been chasing greatness I'm stacking now and balling later in the conversation We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments And sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I value.
2: Today's episode is sponsored by B. Jones. B. is a successful businessman and serial entrepreneur from Memphis, Tennessee. After being inspired to break into the real estate industry while working as a security guard, B. has been able to completely change his life and many of the lives around him through his various business ventures, one of those being the 200K Club. B. really takes great pride in helping others. And if you're in need of advice, whether it be business or real estate related, you can contact B at bjones.com.
3: In other great news, we released the official Millionaire Mindsets merchandise. Go to mmindsetspod.com to check our exclusive new collection of hoodies, t-shirts, and sweatshirts before they sell out. We'll be releasing new merchandise regularly, so be sure to sign up for our email list to get notified when the new releases drop. And make sure you tag us on social media at mmindsetspod to get featured on our pages. Thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode.
2: This episode is sponsored by Park Hill Capital Ventures. Park Hill Capital is a multi-purpose investment firm specializing in real estate, founded by Deanna Kent and Xavier Miller. We offer several different services to educate and mentor you on how to successfully invest in real estate, no matter what your experience level is. Additionally, if you're looking for your next investment property, we can also help with that. Our team has access to deals all across the country, and we connect you with your next deal in no time. And if you have a property that you would like to sell regardless of the situation, we can work with you to get your property sold ASAP. To learn more about our services or to get started, go to www.parkhillcapitalventures.com. What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. My name is Deanna Kent, and I'm sitting here with my co-host, Xavier Miller.
3: What's up, what's up, what's
2: up? And today we have a very special guest joining us on this episode. We have Ms. Tanya Rapley. She's the founder of MyFab Finance and Maternal Health and Education Project, and she's also the owner of Club Lufo. Welcome to the show, Tanya.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
3: Thank, thank you. Thank you. For we, joining us. we we are uh excited about this episode. And the funny thing about this, I didn't even mention this at the end yet. I remember like this was like years ago. This was this was probably like 2016 or something. I remember coming across uh my my five finance and just reading stuff up on it and stuff like at work when I was in the cause we was we probably in the military. So we was in the military and then I remember being in the military always reading like investopedia, just reading like different finance stuff, and I remember coming across your stuff, so it's dope. Now,
0: today, we're doing an interview with you. Ah, uh, that's awesome. What branch we y'all in? Air Force. Oh, I'm an Air Force brat. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. You life. Yeah, my mom and dad, anytime we're, like, talking to, um, like, any anytime they know someone who's going to the military and everything, they always try to steer them towards the Air Force. They'd be like, <laughs> no, go Air Force, so-and-so-and-so. So, I am like that, too. People would be like, oh, I was in the military. I'd be like, what branch? They'd be like, the Marines. I'd be like, oh, okay
2: <laughs> Everybody know the airport.
3: Yeah, airport. We, we definitely,
0: definitely <laughs> the same thing. You like thank you for your service. But...
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, just just to get right into it, just for uh, for those that don't know or not familiar with you, do you mind just giving a background and stuff like all the like amazing things you're doing right now? What was the start to that? Like, how did you get involved with like finance and entrepreneurship?
0: Thank you. uh I got a, I got my start in personal finance. um Really just kind of realizing, I was creating programming in Brooklyn, New York um, for low-income women, and I brought in this financial literacy program, and I'm sitting in the back of the room listening to them, like, listen to the person speaking. I'm like, Telling you don't have your money together. Like, you don't even know how you're going to get home today. Like, it was just really, it, like, it was just like, wow, this is an opportunity for you to do this better. And so um, I decided to go home and, like, follow up with the person who was speaking, reached out to them couldn't afford their services. And so I was like, you just gonna have to go to the library and figure this out. So talk about full circle moment. I went to the library and checked out a book, Girl, Get Your Money Right by Glenda Bridgeforth, Bridgeforth, who actually um, I got to interact with this year because she sits on the board of a company that I did work with this year. And I got Mm -hmm. to tell her like your book was like the first book I read on my journey. Um, So I, I checked that book out, just started learning how to do money better. And really became a student of the forums, like going and like FICO forums. Like I was obsessive, like I was reading and then I started repairing my credit myself. Um, and so I was reading the forums, seeing how other people were doing it and so forth. And then I was like, you know what? Other people don't have the time to do this, but I feel like I could communicate this in a way that people who look like me and enjoy things that I like would receive it. And so that's when I created my blog, My Fab Finance, And at that time it was my Fab FICO. Um because my goal was, I was really credit focused and my goal was to improve my credit score to a uh, 750 by the time I turned 30. I think I was 27 at the time. And so that's really how it started. It was really just like me creating a blog, um, re what I was learning in a way that my peers could be interested in it, but it was also out of necessity. Um, yeah. And the turning point for that blog was I went to a financial conference, FinCon, two years, like after the I think I went to that in 2014. I started my finance in 2013, missed the FinCon conference that year, but I was like, I'm going to the next one. Went in 2014, there was a woman on a panel and she was talking about her, her finance-related blog and how she had made $35,000 that past month. And I was like, wait, on a, what? <laughs> on a blog? Like a finance? Y'all get it like this? Um, and that's I was like, okay, we're going to figure out how to do this too. Like we're going to figure out. And I, you know, I kind of was like, I was like, she ain't nothing special. Like, you can figure this out. <laughs> and that's when I was like, okay, we're gonna figure this out. So I started looking at Pinterest and everything else and figuring out how to monetize a blog and so forth. That was 2014. By 2015, I was resigning to do this full time. Wow. Okay. That's
3: that's that's crazy. Cause and it is for people that don't know, what it is a lot of money in blogging. I remember yes. reading this one article with this one guy. He has a finance blog. I can't remember the name on the blog, and I'm mad I can't remember. I remember him saying like he was making like fifty thousand a month blogging and stuff like that. I'm like, wow, people really out here doing their thing from from just from just from blogging.
0: Yeah, Michelle Schroeder. I mean, she showed, shares her journey. Like Michelle made a million dollars in a year from her blog. You know, so it, it, there's money to be gotten, especially mm-hmm. if you have a foothold in it. But and then also it's on like the blog is essentially like my business card. The blog it kind of it adds to my legitimacy. It is my real estate online, but mm-hmm. my revenue streams don't necessarily just come from the blog. They come from the things related and the opportunities that the blog provides me right. with. So um, yeah, I mean, we, if y'all want to get into that, we can get into that too. Yeah. Um, Cause I just had a call with someone earlier today and she's like, I'm thinking about starting a blog and so forth. I'm like, you know, I don't advise for anybody to start a blog necessarily right now because when I started my blog, there was no Instagram and it was like, there was Tumblr and Twitter But the micro, like people's attention spans have shifted so much now and they don't read blogs that they used to. Like they go to social media profiles. So what's the easiest way for you to get your content in front of someone without disrupting, without them having to create a new habit to receive your content? Right. um so you know i highly suggest, suggest that people start with a, a social media profile because the you don't have to invest the resources that it takes to build a blog and you can test your concept to see if your content is sticking in people if your subject matter and the way you deliver your stuff resonates with people before you invest in building a website
2: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. that's that's a, that's a gem right there so, mm-hmm. so i know there's people that probably they, they probably when they see stuff like that people making money you know people often just imitate quickly like oh mm-hmm. i'm gonna do that too but like industry can change, te- technologies can change, it might mm. not be the same opportunity for you there for people that already grew, like my Fed Finance. You know? Exactly. Yeah, so that makes perfect sense.
2: And the question I have for you, um, something you said that really stood out to me in your journey is that the first thing you did was you were being you got realistic with yourself about mm. where you were financially and all that, and that's pretty much what jump-started everything for you. And I noticed a lot of people struggle with that. They don't know how to be realistic with themselves about their finances. so is there any advice you can offer to people, or why do you think is why do you think people have such a hard time just you know taking that initial step of you got to be honest with yourself and about you know your financial status? you
0: know I think self awareness is really powerful um and I think that it's not something that a lot of people have um, or a lot of people aren't comfortable doing. Like it's, and then it can, it also can become a point where it's detrimental where like it paralyzes you from making decisions because you don't trust in yourself. Or you're questioning everything that you do where you don't believe in yourself. But I, you know, I always get in the habit of asking myself, like I ask myself the questions that I need. I feel like I need to ask myself. So growing up, like I'm a, I'm a Gemini um, growing up. I also was like kind of that student where I could study the night before and get a good grade on the test. Like school was relatively easy for me. Um, And I say that because, and I I can't say I necessarily pushed myself as hard as I could have, you know, I like put myself in situations where like, you know what, you're going to be at the top of this, so let's stay here. Um, But (laughs) What I, I say that because like I was always in a position where I had to ask myself questions because everybody always assumed that I had it or I knew the answer or that like Like I was good. And even now as an entrepreneur, like I really do have to seek people who who will um, hold me accountable will also ask me the hard questions that other people won't ask me so that accountability, I say that like, it is asking yourself the hard questions. It is asking yourself like, am I really in this financial situation because I'm not making enough money or am I in this financial situation because I'm making the wrong decisions with the money I'm making? Am I in this financial decision because, um, because uh, like I've budgeted as much as I can and like I've hit a wall or am I in this financial situation because I haven't created a budget and I haven't done everything I can to change this situation? A lot of people don't want to ask themselves that but when you ask yourself those questions then you can create solutions because you realize okay then let's do this differently let's do that that differently and let's see what happens um so that's what like just really in getting in the habit of asking yourself like have i exhausted all of my options have i done everything that i could and i'm supposed to do in the scenario or is there something i could do better and let me try to do something better and see if that changes my outcome
2: it's
3: powerful I like that yeah I like that too and uh something you spoke on that I think is extremely important and I always like kind of talking about this topic and it may be because it's something like we experience it right now as our like uh brand with the podcast is growing and stuff and that's brand partnerships like leveraging, hey. your, stuff. <laughs> leveraging your stuff to get partnerships because if you don't know for people that's listening that's where most of the time where the where the real dollars come in. (laughs) (laughs) That's where the real money comes in when where you can really, you know what I'm saying, capitalize off what you built. So do you you mind just talking about that for a minute? Like just things you can do, whatever you got is cool.
0: I love brand partnership. (laughs) Um, And I do because they're incredibly lucrative, especially if it's an item that you would use and believe in um and it's like you literally get paid you know when I created my fab finance my goal is to get paid to be myself when I started my fab finance I felt like I had to like so I have a big afro I have nine tattoos like I'm, I can be kind of quick with the tongue and I was like oh my gosh I'm not like the rest of these like Ivy League polished people who are out here talking about finance like I like I'm a little, you know, like I'm not all the way, you know, to the left, but I'm, I'm not necessarily considered your safe bet. And I was like, I want to get paid for being myself. I don't want to have to be anybody else because then I'm working because I'm not showing up who I authentically am. And so early on, it might, I made it my mission that I wanted to align with brands who appreciated who I was authentically. Um and so to this day, you know, my I, now I have a spokesperson agent, and I'll kind of get into that who like navigates brand partnerships for me. But he'd be like, oh, they wanted to go with someone else. They didn't like what you said on your IG or something like that. And I'm like, well, all right, they weren't for me. Um, so with brand partnerships, it can look different. But when I say that my blog is like a business card, my blog was create cre- gave me real estate online. So sometimes people will come and say, we want a blog post. But other times they say, we want something on your Instagram feed, or we want to put something in your newsletter, or we want to work with you, or we just want you to be a spokesperson, or for you to teach this workshop. But by me creating a platform with Fat Finance, before anyone else invested in me, I allowed I could show what I was capable of. So we were recording our own videos and posting videos on YouTube and posting videos on the Fat Finance Instagram feed. So if a brand was looking to partner with me, I could say, Hey, look, I can also be talent. Here is like this is an example of my talent work that I've done. Um, I would also like create spec posts where I would highlight and talk about a product and so forth. So nobody was post like paying me to do it, but I was doing it to show a brand this is what Is possible for you. And this is something that I could do for you. And that was before I started getting brand partnerships. Now we have them and they started small. I I think my first brand partnership might've been with a bank. It might've been like $1,500. And I was like thrilled to get that. Um, It was for like maybe three Instagram posts for $1,500. And that was like back in 2014. Um, Now brand partnerships that we're doing could go from like, it it ranges. It really does depend on budget. I've, um, I just did a satellite media tour where they paid me uh, $40,000 just to go in for six hours and do something. Um, I've done another spokesperson deal where like I shot a commercial for them and did like a few social media posts. That was $60,000 project. But then I've also had some things where like, hey, can you just do two Instagram posts? We just did one. It was like two Instagram posts for 8,500. So it just varies, but that still is more than like the hourly coaching so forth and everything of that nature. Like I literally can make my expenses in a matter of like an hour on my expenses for like the next two months in a matter of an hour. And then what it leverages and what it enables me to do by doing brand partnerships and anyone who's considering them is if you have an audience that you serve, especially an audience that is financially insecure, you don't have to rely on your audience to sustain your lifestyle. Like anything they do is icing on the cake. So like my membership club, that's icing on the cake. That literally is just like extra money that now I'm like, okay, great. I don't have to pay my team out of like my pocket or my earnings. I can just pay my team out of the membership club money um, so that they can apply, they can work in other areas of my business, but their their salary is covered by this money coming in from my audience. Um, because I never wanted to be the person who was always selling to my audience. Like every time you turned around, I got this, I got that, I got like that gets old after a while and then you're like, well, are you here to help me? Or are you just here like to take my money consistently? Um, so that is why like, I moved towards the larger opportunities so that I could subsidize serving my audience in a way that's affordable for them, that respects their their space. It also allows me to cover my cost.
3: It's a lot you said that I definitely like and I want to go deeper into the- So I know I just said a
0: lot, I'm sorry, it's a lot.
3: Yeah. <laughs> And I like I like that you, cause we talk about this often, like being too salesy. Cause we see it with brands. It's like every post is about I got this deal, fifty percent off every single time. And it's like, yo, like I, me personally seeing it from if I put myself in the consumer mindset, it's like, like you said, it's like, I man, they just want my money. You want somebody that's feel like they really trying to help you and help your situation, better mm-hmm. your life. So I think that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a major gem you said. But something, but going back to the uh, partnerships, because I know people are gonna hear this and they're gonna be like, hold on, what? Like, she did what? (laughs) Let's take it from like before, like, starting that point. Like, do you go, does someone go looking for the partnership or do you wait for a partnership to potentially come to you?
0: So, what I have found, we have pitched people, and I'm actually, what I'm focusing on this year is getting better about outbound pitching. Um, a lot of it does come to me. If you make enough noise, and you make you, you, people are going to start reaching out to you. Um, if you're SEO, it's really important if you do have a website to make sure your SEO is on point, because what happens is people come out of these meetings, hey, we're looking for an African American woman so and so and so who's a millennial financial educator um, for this campaign. They're going to go to their desk, they're going to type in African American millennial finance. And like, you know, if you've done your SEO and so forth, you're most likely going to pop up. And so you'll be in a list of contenders and then they'll reach out. They'll look through your profile. So if you're, if you want to do brand partnerships, I I say always audit your profile and ask yourself if a brand was to come look at my profile first, ask yourself, who's the ideal brand partnerships I would like to work with. Mm -hmm. And then look at your profile and say, if I work for this brand, would I reach out to this person based on what I see? and also do your research and see who they're working with. Look up the hashtags, look up their names, see who's tagging them, see what type of existing brand partnerships they are, um, so they are funding or like who else is working with them and type of content they're creating. And maybe you can create something like you'd be in alignment with that, or maybe, you know, you would offer something completely different, but still relevant to them. So have a look at that, look at your profile to make sure that when they do find you based on your SEO, they go to your platform, it all checks out and they have to reach out to you because you're just that in alignment with what they need. Um, and then from there, you know, Numbers are very interesting with that. So a lot of people do reach out to me. A lot of companies, um, we, it's very rare that we do outbound work, even though now I have an agent and so he does pitch me for stuff. We did land a pretty big contract at the top of this year that he had pitched me for. Um, and we're still working on pitching. But the thing about pitching is sometimes people already have their budgets. They already have their campaigns in mind. And they're just like, uh, cool, thank you. Um, we'll, we'll, you. know, We'll keep it in mind another thing is that a lot of times you'll be reached out to or connected with the agency so there's all these um marketing agencies that do the work for brands so like procter and gamble isn't going to reach out to you their agency which might be edelman or might be msl or might be fleishman and hillard like the agency they contracted is going to reach out to you so that does become challenging because you don't have a direct relationship with the brand so if you want to pitch something bigger um, you have to go through their middleman who kind of is like, it's in their best interest to keep you away from the brand so they can keep making money. But then the advantage of that is a lot of times these, um, these middlemen are working with lots of clients. So if they come to you with a, say they come to you with like a $700, $1,000 campaign, not, might not be something that is ideal for you price-wise, but you know that they have other campaigns that they're going to be working on. So maybe they come to you for a Procter & Gamble campaign, but then next week or, you know, next month, they might have a, um, a Marriott campaign, or they might have a, a TurboTax campaign. And because they enjoyed working with you on that past one, they're going to bring it to you, bring you another opportunity. Um, so it really is a relationship game if you aren't successful in reaching out to the brands. Um, but the best thing I could do is, like, I just would say is just make sure all roads lead to you online. So when they look for someone to check those boxes, it's easy for them to find you to check that box.
2: Mm, I like it. So I know you've been doing this for years and, you know, you got a lot of experience. But for people who are getting out, like, really just getting their brands established, do you feel like it's, a like, a certain criteria that needs to be met before you start looking for partnerships or should it just like come naturally or should you wait for people to start reaching out to you?
0: Um, I mean, you, you definitely, you, you know, you want to have, I'm all about being authentic, but then, you know, there's, there's, you can be too authentic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not like, there's certain things that just don't need to be on social media. They're just like, you know, and especially depending on type of brands that you want to work with. Um, So you just being mindful of what you're putting out there and that you like, you take your profile and your voice and your, your platform seriously, but also that you engage with your audience. I mean, I think that's the most important thing is audience engagement, because you can have the most beautiful profile, but if your, if audiences don't engage your content, like that's, that's what a brand is hiring you for is your relationship and your ability to influence others. So continuing to figure out what is important to my audience, what is important to people and like, where are my areas of, of influence? Um, I was very intentional about creating. So I have my fat finance, which is finance. And then I have my personal brand, um, which I was like, okay, I'm becoming, I'm a mompreneur. Um, I want to start moving into the mom lane and like the lifestyle lane. And so I created my own profile separate of my fat findings that allowed me to focus on like the person behind the brand, like my family and so forth. So I could start working with brands on, in in that lane. And initially early on, it wasn't like people were sending me stuff. So I would just DM companies. Hey, do you work with influence? I waited till I got to like 10 K And then once I got to 10K on my personal, I started reaching out to brands. Hey, do you ever work with influencers? Do you ever work with influencers? And at that time, it might be free product in exchange for like some photos and stuff like that. But then now it's to the point where brands do pay me for stuff on my personal platform as well, because they saw like the content I created for others that they didn't know they send it to me for free in exchange for, you know, just like for me to post it in exchange for product. Um, But now they assume they would have to pay me. And even to this day, some people will approach me like, oh, we got this product to give you. And if I like the product enough, I'll be like, okay, cool, let's do it. But if I don't, it's like, you guys guys have to pay me for that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I would definitely say just like start with, you know, 10K, like having that K behind. Mm-hmm. um the your number is important and as you grow like the demand and then making sure you're engaging with your audience making sure that your audience is engaging with you like you have that two-way relationship with them I um, mean that they they are invested in what you post and so forth and it's it's hit or miss because sometimes I post something I'll be like this is not gonna like I'm just gonna I'm gonna post this because I want to share this and then it blows up. And then sometimes I was like, you know what? This is a lot people need to hear. And I post it and it kind of be like, trickle, trickle, trickle. It like, you know, so you also never know what your audience wants to, to hear. Um, but, and it's consistently, consistency, consistent, consistently showing up. You guys have a great Instagram. Like I've already posted and reshared some of that <laughs> stuff. Like I love it. Right. Um, I think in our space, it is also important. One thing that I have seen different and it just is all just depends on what your business model is, is that the industry you're in matters. So I've seen people who kind of like move towards MLMs and um and by MLMs I mean multi-level marketing programs and so forth, which are legitimate generators of revenue for um, some individuals and so forth. But I have found that company corporate companies do tend to shy away from people who are heavily involved in MLMs and those type of financial products. So you won't necessarily see a lot of credit repair people who have brand partnerships. Um, it's, it's, it typically is like the general financial educators, um, that they'll, they'll support. And I, I even remember there was an insurance company and one of my earliest partnerships was with, with green, with green dot, not green dot was with rush card. And I remember I had a relationship with someone at an insurance company and she was like, yeah, we don't touch those kind of products. We're going to have to wait for you to distance yourself from that for a little bit before we can talk about, you know, running a campaign with you. So it's, you know, it's understanding that sometimes what you're affiliated with can affect your brand partnerships and the companies that reach out to you as well.
3: Mm, Damn, that's crazy. And uh, I want to ask you about, because you mentioned having your personal brand, then also having like your business brand. So, So do you mind just talking about like, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to, how to word this question, but just like, why is it important to have that, that, uh, that different the I can't never say this word. right <laughs> I can never say the word. Right? Basically, why is the point to have like a different <laughs> look? A se- right, a separate look from your personal brand and your like your business brand pages.
0: Yeah. So like I like all the money. Like right. and I am like <laughs> grabbing and raking it in right now. And I remember with my with my Fat Finance. Um I was managing it myself at that time. I had just moved to California. I reached out to Disneyland because I wanted to go with my husband, like he had never been, so I wanted to take him to Disneyland and At this point, I think I had like we weren't at a hundred k yet, but we were like eighty nine k um followers on my fat finance, and they responded to me like uh your demographic is not in line with like our target and I was like. I mean, people have families and stuff, but essentially they were saying we want people who come spend money in our parks and you talk about budgets and financially responsible living and we don't want a whole bunch of people to show up who bought stuff on Amazon to be here. We want people to spend money here. Um, And so that made me realize is that like some brands that I want to work to work with, they want people who spend money. And It also, like, I felt like there were certain limitations when I was running everything through the MyFab Finance Instagram. There were certain things I couldn't talk about. I didn't want to make it me, me, me. I wanted to make it a resource for other people. So that's another reason I created my brand, my personal brand, was so that I could talk more about myself, talk more about the journey, talk more about my family um, and the things that matter to me um, so that the people who were there strictly for finance, cool, go to MyFab Finance, anything you want on there. But if you care about the person who built this business, then you can come over here. And brands also this brand is about mompreneurship and like designing your lifestyle. This is not necessarily about financially responsible living. So people of this demographic, we spend money like over here on this side, like we make money, we spend money versus my fat finance. We're trying to figure out how to get to that point. So it allowed me to diversify um, the brands that would be interested in working with me. And now uh, early on, I did operate both of them. Now I do not operate both of them. I only operate the Tanya Rapley Instagram. I have a social media person who operates the MyFab Finance Instagram.
2: Okay. That's an and I like, I like how y'all um, did the MyFab um, Finance Instagram. It looks really good. It's really like well put together and informational based. And then I love how you go to your page and it's really like, it's just you. It's about you and your family. And it's, it's obvious what you're getting out of each page. Thank you, know? you thank you. Mm-hmm. There's no
3: confusion, All right? That's true. Thank and, you. Uh, what do you think about this concept? Because I talk to a lot of people that, um, excuse me, that's trying to start their brand or they're looking forward to starting their brand. They like, I'm gonna wait till I get this camera. I'm gonna wait till I get this. I'm gonna wait till I get this situated to start. Like it's like they're pretty much waiting on like everything to be perfect to 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 start branding themselves. And I'm like, I, I used to think like that too. And then I'm like, no, nah, you could just. You could get all the cute stuff later. Just start mm-hmm. and figure it mm-hmm. out later. Like, what do you think? Do you think what do you think about that?
0: You know, um, it depends. So, like, I I just bought a company in November and like I'm really trying to get out of my head with that because we're going through a rebrand with the website and everything. And like, I'm like, no, we can't promote the company because we already had it already had active subscribers and it was working because right. it was revenue. But in my head, I'm like, no. I can't really aggressively push this until we rebrand and get our photoshoot done and like get our packaging and everything. So like holding off on that, but in the same sense with my fat finance, like it was just getting started. It was just showing up. And sometimes if you look at people, when you're a creator, you get caught up on the aesthetics and like the creative process, instead of understanding that people just care about the message. Like when you look at what goes viral and stuff like that, grainy videos go viral. Like, Bad audio goes viral. People do not care. We get caught on that as creators. And I'd say like start it and then build as you grow. I wish I would have saved the very first version of My Fab FICO. It was a WordPress. It was a banner that I did myself and like Photoshop. It was so it sucked. It was so ugly. It was, but it was like me just getting started and me doing something. And then like once I started bringing in a little money, then I was like, okay, now I can pay someone to design a professional logo. And then I ended up having someone design another professional logo down the line and like to, to refine our brand. And then we just redid our site last year. Um, like so, you can always build, but you won't have anything to get build upon if you don't get started. Like if you're waiting until your is perfect or you're waiting to. You present yourself like that's valuable time that you lost in building your audience, building community, and much more time for someone else to come in who's like, "No, I'm just gonna get started right now and like claim that audience that you could have been serving, but you wanted to wait till you're perfect." And they were like, "Let's do this." One person I love, I love Kezia from Black Black Up Start, Williams, um, because she like her videos are relatively low production, like it's her on a screen talking to people. Like other people feel like they got to do like this ornate. And I talk to my husband about that all the time. So my husband is actually a video professional. And so I could be like, babe, I want to shoot this video. And like, he's like, okay, we need this camera. We need this light setup, We need this background. I'm like, it doesn't have to be all that. Like, I don't want to, I don't need all that, but he's a creative. Um, And if it was up to him, we probably wouldn't have stuff done or we would invest so much in the overhead of things that the payoff wouldn't make sense. Uh, I learned that with my very first course that I did, very first course I did was financial preparing to be your own boss. We shot that thing on green screen. Um, my husband's work for BET. So we shot at a, a green screen at BET on the weekends, invested everything into the look of the course and didn't invest in the promotion of the course and like the, the um, building our funnel and everything else. So the point where we had invested like multiple thousands of dollars in the creation of that course. And when we dropped it, we didn't make our money back. And I said, I'm never going to create a course like that again. Um, My membership club is mostly comprised of me shooting live videos and doing live classes and the replays and sharing the replays. And it literally has no production value, but it's made more money than that expensive course that we created did. Um, So sometimes it's really not about the production value. It really is about the content and just making sure that people see it and marketing it. Mm.
3: See, that's powerful right there. And something else that you spoke about earlier, you said, your spokesperson agent. And I've been waiting to ask you this ever since <laughs> <you said it. laughs> I'm not supposed to Like it. so what does the what does your spokesperson agent do for you?
0: So I, I I'm not shy about asking what I deserve, asking for what I deserve. Uh-huh. But sometimes we have our own limitations on what's possible. So when we bring in a spokesperson agent, uh, my spokesperson agent is a Jewish man from New York who is not afraid to go toe-to-toe with these companies and call them crazy and be like, no, she deserves more than that. Um, and it's been helpful for me to have an agent because on one end, they know what I should be getting for jobs because they negotiate jobs for other people. Right. So they know what I should be getting. And then also it'll, it puts someone else in between me and the client. So I literally show up just like not knowing any other backstory or I might know, I might be privy to the backstory, but I wasn't the one Like pushing back, it was someone else pushing back on my behalf. So now I can show up without any of that energy and be like, "Hey guys, like I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy we worked this out." (laughs) Meanwhile, there's been like they've been going at it behind the scenes without me. Um, So those are the main two reasons. It's like making sure that I'm not leaving money on the table and having someone to bounce um, bounce rates and so forth against, and then also having someone kind of to intercept um, the the negativity that can arise from negotiations. But then yeah. also to the intercept with these brands, because some of them, like I I had one brand partnership last year and like the person was texting me at like 9 p.m. And I was like, no. take this back to email. Let me loop in my, my agent, um, like make sure he sees this. So right. that, and I text him, I sent him a screenshot. I was like, this is not okay. And he was like, it absolutely isn't. I'm sending her a message. Like so, sometimes <laughs> you just need people who can, um, manage the situation, um, but then also make sure you get what you deserve. Um, I So the power of my agent, had a client reach out to me. Um, they uh, inbound brand partnership. They're like, yeah, we were thinking about so-and-so so. We wanted to pay Tanya, you know, $5,000 to do this. Send it to him. Hey, great. I'm going to introduce you to connect you to the person on my team who deals with my partnerships. Connect him to my agent. He comes back and he's like working a deal. He's like, I'm going to ask him for 60 Found $5,000. He's like, I'm going to ask him for sixty. He's like, let's increase the scope of work to this. Let's do this. Let's tell them we can do this. And let's see what they say. It comes back at 60. So it was like, that was literally a dip. And so he takes 20%. But that was literally a difference between a five thousand dollar job and a sixty thousand dollar job. Exactly, you can have this twenty percent, bro. Like you, like, <laughs> you earned no. it, and yeah. that—that's the power of having like he's, you know, it's essentially having someone who's a good salesperson. But right. he also moves in this industry and he um, rubs elbows with a lot of companies and has a lot of relationships and so forth. So um, he'll loop me into deals that he's working with someone else. I had an Invisalign partnership two years ago. That was something they reached out to one of the other people he, repre- rec- um, he represented, and they like they had had braces and they didn't need the partnership, so it came to me as a result. So like that's another um, power of working with someone who has those relationships is like maybe somebody wasn't thinking of you and they'd be like, well, have you thought about this person? Because it it behooves him to pr- to pitch me because right. like that way that deal doesn't dry up and he can just pass along to some one of his other clients. And it like gets some eyes on me from people who ordinarily might not have been looking at me as a potential, um, a potential partner.
3: Mm-hmm. So with that being said, you kind of just made me realize it's kind of like a mistake, especially for people who that's like in similar positions to you, to not be working with somebody that is a uh like an agent.
0: I wouldn't say it's a mistake. I didn't get my first agent. I started working with him in 2016. started my fab finance in 2013 so um i didn't start working with him until like three years in um my other agent benoni um benoni i think me and benoni started working together in 2015 so it's two years um so it wasn't necessarily a mistake if you don't have an agent or don't have the benefit of having an agent what is a mistake is not asking around and not asking other people so like if a brand part of a brand approaches you me and my friends we have communication like one of my closest friends should hit me up. She's like, what do you think about this? This brand, this brand is offering this. I have like four friends that hit me up on a regular basis. Like, hey, this brand is offering this. What do you think? And i will be like, mm, that's not as good as they can do. Or ask for this or ask for that or see if they have this or so and so and so. So it is a mistake not asking other people who know what you can get. Um, what, you know, if they think it's a good, if it's, if it's a good deal or if you should negotiate a little higher because that's free I don't charge people for that like I don't charge them 20 percent for that Mm -hmm. but it's just out of GP I want my friends to do well too and I don't want them to get taken advantage of so I'm going to let them know like no that probably is the best you can do or no absolutely they're low-balling don't do that.
2: Mm -hmm. So out of all the um, different deals and partnerships that you've done what would you say was your most favorite partnership and your least favorite?
3: you ain't got to put the company on i was like can't
0: say no names <laughs> all right no you, ain't, no you
3: ain't gotta
0: do that no. <laughs> um I, I generally enjoy most of my partnerships i um i don't accept a partnership if i don't feel like i resonate with the product or like so i, genu- I generally enjoy them so i would say most of them i do enjoy i can tell you what types i don't enjoy is mm-hmm. the brand partnerships where they micromanage the content And so it's like, you chose me because of my my authentic voice, but then you want to control the way my voice is like communicated with my audience. It's like, you know, I'm from the South. So I like, I use language slightly different. And like, I I know how to use language properly, but sometimes it doesn't sound right. Sometimes I want to say, I be looking instead of I'm looking. And (laughs) it's like, you don't need to correct that. And because that's what's authentic to me. But like, I really don't like brand partners who just really turn my copy into their, by copy, I mean, like, my social media captions. I'll send them a caption and be like, can you change this? And we made these changes. I'm like, this doesn't even sound like me anymore. This is not going to resonate with my audience. Like, they're going to read this and it's going to read ad because you took away the authenticity from it. Um, So I don't enjoy those brand partnerships that that are just so focused on their brand message that they forget that they're working with influencers because of our authentic connection with our audience. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I want to want to ask this now. So as far as because we're talking about branding a lot, so I know people gonna hear this and they probably gonna. We talking about the good things, things that you can do. What do you think are the biggest or common mistakes you see with brands that that people make?
0: When it comes to building their own brand, you know, or building their
3: own brand, building a business brand, like whatever.
0: Um, being all over the place, <laughs> like that. That's the I I literally met a man this weekend and he was a photographer at an event I was at. Super talented. <laughs> And then I go to his profile, I'm like, and he's like a photographer, a barber, a chef, (laughs) and something else. And I was like, these aren't even related skill (laughs) sets. Like, these are, it is being all over the place. It's like, We hear multiple revenue streams and people assume it means like money by any means possible, but a lot of times it needs to be related revenue streams. So now I do own Club Lufa. Now I do have a nonprofit organization, but I didn't create my nonprofit organization until last year. I've been doing my finance since 2013. That's six years later. I didn't purchase another company until six years later. And even now that I'm purchasing that company, um, I'm I'm somewhat of a silent owner of that company. Like you're not going to see me on the website and so forth. You're not going to see me doing interviews and everything about that company. So people assume that like doing the most equals progress and it doesn't always mean that. It confuses people, especially if you don't have an established brand. Um, One of the best tips that I got when I started my finance was from um, Tiffany Bajanista and she was like, be a tree, not a branch. Because there's so many people who come in and it's like, oh, I want to talk about this. And I want to talk about this. And it's like, you know, maybe personal finance, like, oh, I want to talk about real estate. And then I want to talk about investing. And then I want to talk about
2: credit. And then
0: I want to talk about like, you know, shopping on a budget and building capsule wardrobes. And then I want to talk about um, building a business. And it's like, all these things are related, but what's the one thing you want to be known for? Because that's what's going to help you create your, your, your tree, your actual tree stop. And then from there, you allow, you grow and become known for that. And then you can start to branch out. But if you're a bush and you just have so many things going on, you're going to stay right there to the ground. But by being a tree, you allow yourself like to build your one thing that you're known for. And then you branch out from there instead of being known from everything and just like not taking off from being known for everything. Because when you're known for everything, people don't know what to call you for. They don't Mm -hmm. know what your area of expertise are. They don't know how you can help them. But when you have an area of expertise, like bet, I have a real estate question. I know exactly who to call. I'm calling Xavier. Like I know exactly who to call versus, I don't know what he does, um, but I don't know, just call him see. Like, you know what I mean? You want people to be very sure about, this is what you can help me with. And this is what I go to you for, especially early on. And I think that's a big mistake I see with people who make brands is in fear of missing out on potential opportunities. They try to touch everything instead of understanding that when you build a strong enough brand, you'll eventually touch everything
3: wow that's some that's some real heavy like info seriously because you like i'll see it all the time like i see it every day like and like you said people think doing a lot equals like progress when you mm-hmm. should be focusing on one thing and then later focusing on branching off that's some i like, like that i'm like I'm, I'm gonna carry that with me for forever right there i like that game right there.
0: one of my <laughs> homeboys um in this in this space because that's the beautiful thing is like you you start to make all these friends in personal finance so dominique brown of your finances simplified killing it awesome brutally uh, brutally awesome his systems like his systems are crazy Dominique is like bringing in like multiple six figures every single month because his systems are so tight he started out being a credit guy and I remember I had a call with him early on and he was like what do you do I don't know what you do T like you know your stuff but like you're all over the place I don't know what you do I don't know what to call you for and I was like, dang, he's right. So that's when I kind of dialed back. I was like, okay, I'm going to be known for understanding credit and like helping people with their credit and so forth. And that's when I stepped back and just really focused on credit for like two years. Finance, everything else, I had provided you with finance tips, but like credit was my thing for like the first two years of my MyFab Finance. That's why it was my MyFab FICO. Um, and then FICO sent me a polite cease and desist letter oh okay I can't use this word they're like no you can't use that word which is a blessing because my fat finance became more encompassing than just my fat bico but um I focused on that and like he really like he hurt my feelings a little bit I was like what do you mean what do I do and he was like it's confusing like you're doing everything um so between him and Tiffany like that really changed how I do and even now um, I ask myself you know I started my nonprofit last year the nonprofit was really just like philanthropic me wanting to do something to support moms um, and then acquiring club lufa that more so is a economic play to create another business that is um, a, a, a retail business that's not based on my intellectual capacity um, so that I don't I can scale that easier and um, but I'm still very mindful like are you doing too much are you doing the most and are you are you working in a focused manner or working in a frenzied manner so even knowing these things you still have to ask yourself down the line yeah that that's dang, that's
3: man, that's, a, that's some uh very important stuff and i didn't even know until so you said that i didn't even know it started at, you started pretty much as the credit credit person like and that, mm-hmm. and that goes to show you that you started at one thing and you kind of just grew it and then you branched onto other things that it works
0: so yes. I, I didn't know that <laughs> yep you know and I, I i really um and after i guess i go to like fincon and be like you a finance og and it's just so funny because <laughs> i'm like uh og oh, <laughs> but it's it, that's i look at a lot of the people who are coming up in the space and um like i can see i'm like oh they got it like they're gonna go far um or like uh they haven't figured it out yet and like even you guys i was like oh I gotta do this. Let let me let me connect with them, you know, because there's so many things that are involved in creating wealth. There's so many opportunities, there's so many different ways to invest. So it is kind of hard to kind of rein it in and say, This is how we help you achieve it. And how do we have our focus? And but that's not to say you don't provide other services. It's just what services are you promoting to people. So you don't necessarily have to say like we do this and we do that, we do this. It's like, no, we're gonna help people with this and we're focused on this for the next, you know, six months to a year. Then now that we got people in that, we also have this skill set, and now we have a program to serve people who need this skill set from us. Mm-hmm. But you guys are doing great.
3: Thank you, I really appreciate that. And like they when they when they told you to financial you, you really are. Like I said, this was only the <laughs> when was. I was coming to, to my some finance. Oh, this is dope. Like yes, yeah, so thank that's, you. That's, that's that's crazy. And something this what I what I, what I wanted to ask and I forgot. And I said, I remember that. And when it comes to like uh, partnerships and influence, being an influencer or whatever, like, do you think, because I feel like it's still at the beginning stages of the rewards that influencers will like, will really reap? Like, do you, do you think so as well?
0: Say, say that question one more time.
3: I think it's still like kind of early in the game as far as like compared to what influencers will really be getting like soon.
0: That's a good question. <laughs> Because I kind of am on the opposite side. Really? People are making a lot of money. Like mm, right people, yeah, people are right. making a lot of money. And I feel like brands are kind of going to wake up because while I don't doubt the reach of influencers and the ongoing impact, brands aren't necessarily positioned to um, monitor that. Like maybe we ran a campaign with this person two years ago, and now someone from the audience is just coming around to purchase. They don't know that that purchase came from the touch from two years ago they they're so sh- they're not being short-sighted but they're kind of focused on like how many clicks does it drive how many purchases it drive today we ran this ad with so-and-so how many like how what is the result today instead of understanding like it helps them build relationships with their audience and so I feel like they're kind of pulling back on budgets as well as if we go into another recession I feel like we're going to feel we're going to see a pullback on some of these budgets because yeah. um there are influencers again like paid, especially once we have really super large platforms they're going to pay like a hundred thousand dollars for one post it's like that's not sustainable for a brand to pay someone a hundred thousand dollars for an instagram post that the influencer might take down next week that's not sustainable so i actually think we're going to see a difference in um influencer marketing and marketing and less available dollars are having to become more creative in how you work with brands and how you separate brands and their dollars rather than just saying i'm gonna put a post up Mm -hmm. like you really got to exchange some real value for their dollars Going forward, i, I
3: like to like my my reasoning behind it was because like I'm like I'm I mess with Twitter heavy. So like I just see what's going on. Yeah, I, I noticed like how a lot of folks like with Instagram and Twitter, a lot of times we got more influence than people that these brands think how these people that think have a lot of influence.
2: Mm-hmm. A lot of
3: times, like I know several people that I feel like got more influence than those people. And they're not getting paid from any brands or anything yet. So I feel like once a lot of these brands take notice of, uh, 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 like, certain people or certain, like, niches or, like, circles, I feel like they'll, they'll be, like, a pretty check for those people. Pretty
0: yeah, it's, like, it's more so the micro. It's the micro-influencers. That's what they call micro-influencers. Um, because in micro-influencers, you do want to work with them because they're hungry. They're hungry for that brand partnership. They want to do right by that brand partnership because they want more opportunities versus the person who's like, yeah, whatever. Like, I guess I'm just going to get this up. You want someone who's going to work hard for you. And no one's going to work harder for you than somebody who's hungry.
3: Right.
0: So um, I, th- I think there's going to be a change and there's going to be a shift. I think influencer marketing is here to stay, but I think there's just going to be a shift in the budgets that are allocated, the type of influencers that are working with and the metrics that drive what is considered a, um, an attractive, Brand partner. Okay,
3: okay. And do you mind just talking to uh? Are you you you're a mother, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you mind just like just being uh? All the things you're doing, you're doing so many things, so many of those things on the businesses and all that, and you're a, a mother at the same time. And I know I know a lot of our listeners, they are women. So do you mind just like giving some game on like pretty much how to balance the two, balance that lifestyle being a wife, a mother, a business owner, all those things.
0: Yeah, it, I'm, it's still a learning and progress. Like, my son, <laughs> he's so humbling. Like, I love him. I would say motherhood is the hardest thing I've ever done. It is the most humbling thing I've ever done. My son doesn't care where I am, who I've, what I've done. Who knows? He he cares nothing about that because at the end of the day, I'm his mom. Like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm his food source. Like, I'm his I'm his mother. Um, but I also was very intentional about designing a business that supported my motherhood. And that's the beauty about creating businesses and, like, creating opportunities. My mother and father both were career military. And early on, I realized, like, I always say I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew I wanted to be flexible and there for my children. I knew I didn't want other people to dictate how I showed up in my children's lives. When I was 15 years old, my mom got sent to Korea for a year for, um, for like, before she got the military, like she had to do it. She'd been putting it off her entire career. We were just transitioning to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And my mom got sent away for a year. So basically, my dad was like, raising me and my sister for that entire year. And I was like, ain't no way in hell, somebody gonna tell me I can't be with my kids for a year. Like, no. Um, and so I knew that. And then going forward into so I was like, I'm not going to the military bet that I'm not and then I ended up working when I was working at my job I had a coworker who was pregnant and she had morning sickness and she was like leaving her desk and going to throw up before like our meetings and so forth and I was like I don't want to be working for somebody else going through that like no like and I remember like going to work in New York and a woman like stopped and like she had morning sickness and like you know right there in the subway and I was like I don't want to leave my house if I don't want to when I'm pregnant um and so that's when I was like okay we're gonna put up having a baby we're gonna build this business and we'll have the baby then um so because of that I was able to like create the maternity leave experience I wanted and I ended up taking like three months of maternity leave when I had Karis but coming back was interesting because I thought I was gonna come back a lot quicker like I was taking speaking engagements and so forth thinking I was gonna be ready to hit the road and I was like no I don't want to leave my baby like I don't want to be away from him, and so then I started traveling with him. At this point, Karis has been on like 36 flights. Um, he he flew, His first year, he flew everywhere to every engagement with me. The first engagement that he did not go with me to last year was the day of his, of his first birthday. I flew out the night of his first birthday for a speaking engagement I had in Orlando, Florida, but that was the first time I ever left him behind. Um, And so it is, you know, building those relationships, being honest with clients. A lot of clients are, um, people you work with are parents as well, and they understand that emotional connection. And so sometimes clients be like, okay, cool, you need to fly fly your nanny out too? Cool, we'll fly them out too. Um, So being like, just asking for what I needed and being honest. But then creating more structure around my work has served me being a mompreneur. So I I I had a podcast earlier today. I do podcasts and interviews on Tuesdays so that the rest of the week I can focus on the other work that I need to do. And I'm not, my workflow isn't disrupted. Wednesdays is my self-care day. So that's the day I go to therapy. That's the day I schedule doctor's appointments. If I'm going to the chiropractor, the acupuncturist, or, you know, if I need anything else, then the rest of the week, like those are work hours. But then also I stop working at 445 to go pick my son up. 4.45 4.45 until he goes down to 7.30 is me and Kara's time, and then, like, after I put him to sleep, that's when I can do other things, but sometimes, like, my husband is, like, me and my husband have a date night, so it is creating more structure so that my business doesn't run me, and I run my business, because so I think a lot of entrepreneurs keep, create businesses that run them instead of them running their business, and it doesn't have to be that way. When you start asking yourself, What's the worst that could happen if I don't do this, if I wait till the morning to respond to this email? If I wait till the end of the weekend to respond to this email? Ask, like, I'll tell clients now, they'll be like, hey, can we get this? Sure, I'll give it to you in the morning. Like, I'm not working right now. Like, I'm, I'm not, you'll get in the morning, we'll be fine. And it's fine, you know, a lot of times. Um, so I don't let people push their deadlines on me. I can communicate my barriers and I have my own deadlines that I'm willing to adhere, adhere to. Um, and then I also have structure. That's how I've created balance so that I can show up for my family on weekends and so forth and be present with them and be present in the evenings and so forth. Um, yeah, because if you let work run you, it will. Um, but it doesn't have to. Like that's, I feel like as an entrepreneurship, we buy into this. If I'm not grinding, I'm losing money, I believe. And that's not any way to live. Like you're gonna burn yourself out. And you're gonna hate what you do, and so like you you have to create a business that serves you, not a business that you're serving
3: i, I love that right there, and so this that reminds me of uh someone else, someone else he told me this before. he was like, if you don't have any systems for your business, like you don't have a business, you don't have a job uh, yeah, ever since he told me that that it just its always stuck with me, and that like only only have two more questions for you, and that's going to that system like how yeah, how people that don't understand like truly how important
0: that is Like, how important is having that system in place and like allowing you to be focused and I'm not even a systems person <laughs> like I i I'm, with my fat finance I was an accidental entrepreneur like I was intentional about what I wanted it to, to do I wasn't intentional about how I wanted it to how to how I wanted to do it first couple of years like I was literally little throwing stuff on the wall and seeing what stuck so I brought, when I started bringing in people who were more systems oriented, so for me not being a systems person, I hire people who are systems oriented. So that's not my strength, but I hire people with that skill set so they can implement systems in my business and set up workflows. Um, so right now, we have a workflow. We have our funnels. We have our ways that we communicate with clients. We've simplified Um, how we upsell people. So before we had like products on the website, we had one-off courses you could buy and everything else. We simplified that and just put it all behind a paywall. And if you want to access it, you can do it there. I have one product that's available, which is a money manual, which is on Amazon. I'm not fulfilling any orders because early on I was doing that. I had like mugs I was selling and everything, and just like run into the post office and the order came in, we got one thing, and I don't ship it. We go to Amazon that way. If I'm on the road and I can't ship it out, you're not going to experience a disruption in your order. And that's like one lesson I have to stress about. We have a team of writers. We have them on a workflow, so we have a system for how their um their their articles are assigned how it gets to our editor and then what happens from there. And then from there, my assistant or my former assistant would post it. And then she sends it to our social media person who publicizes and posts on social media. And then to our newsletter person who repurposes that content in our newsletter and our social media person who will repurpose that content. So it's like, it's having those different point people and making sure they're interacting. So we we do have a few systems now. Um, That doesn't mean that we're not working on tweaking them better. Uh, I, I recently started having conversations with people about the prospect of selling my fab finance and what it looks like and what I need to have in order. Another system being, even being a finance person, but another system I overlooked was having proper financial systems in order. Like, so if a potential buyer comes in, how can people like, how do I make it easy? So they see like, okay, this is where the profit is generated. If she steps away from the business, this isn't going to be impacted by it, or it is going to be impacted by it because she's the face of this. So making sure that my financial systems are in order. We use QuickBooks. Um, we, we have an, I have an accountant, like I'm running things through, through them, meeting with my accountant regularly to make sure that our books are up to date, making sure that um, things are getting marked properly in our expenses and so forth so that it's very clear and the business tells its story um, but we there are things we still could be better on like given that there's still things we could be better on because my fat finance grew without systems in mind and so now we're just like plugging in systems like as like where we see we're seeing like where the issue areas are versus club LUFA. I'm starting that out with a system because my goal is to sell that definitely in like three years. So we are like, we from how we communicate and handle customer tickets to like our fulfillment process, like all that is systematized so that it would be easy for someone who wants to buy the company to step in and purchase it from us.
3: That's... <laughs> It's so it's so funny you said it because I was just having a conversation recently with a friend of ours, and I feel like this is a very important topic that business owners kind of you kind of never think about. Because I remember talking to our friend, her name is Ari, and she's like super smart, and she was talking to us about one of our companies, and she was just like, "Like, what does it look like down the line when you potentially sell it? Like, do you have all these things in place where you could just pretty much transfer it over?" Mm-hmm. And mom, I'm like. I never thought about that cuz I never thought about so you think of, you don't never think cuz it's like you're a baby you don't think about mm-hmm.
2: everything
3: but as you know being a business owner is all about creating something building and potentially flipping it down the line going to mm-hmm. something so
0: same thing you would do with a house like
3: exactly so and I feel like a lot of times people don't think about that part like down the line, you might you might want to sell it five, ten years later mm-hmm. but when you got those things in place where you can just do it smoothly with no problems you got to take that into account
0: and we don't have people to talk to us about it. I mean, right. like, let's be real. Like, we don't have people that have those conversations with us. Like, for some of us, we're the first business owners that we know. Like, right. we we're defined the odds by having a successful business let alone, you know, one that is sustainable. But, you know, that's another reason we see these businesses in our communities that go out of business, like the the matriarch of the family, or the patriarch of the family passes away and the business goes out of business because they died with the information and knowledge within them instead of creating systems that would sustain the business after they transitioned. And that's something I still think about. If something wasn't happening to me today, what would happen with my fat finance? what What would happen with these companies? Um, am I doing a good job of ensuring that these businesses are um sustainable without me? At this at this point, I'm not, but I'm continuing to work towards that because um that's the reality that we live in. And especially when we think about creating generational wealth, right. you want to create a business that can sustain your family even after, after you're not here.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Right. And this is this is uh the last question I asked. This was something that Deanna wrote down. I guess she she's seen you talk about this online. You talked about it's tax season right now. And you talked about uh, tips on maximizing your tax refund.
0: <laughs> I don't get those anymore.
3: <laughs> you said you don't give them no more?
0: I don't get them anymore, man. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. No, no. Oh, my bad. I did not even catch on to what you're saying. Neither do we. <laughs> Neither do I. I didn't even catch on to what you're saying. It took me
0: a second. Neither do we. Gone are the days.
3: Yeah, gone. Right, right. Those, those, <laughs> those days gone. But it's all good. It's all good. But for the people that do get them, what are, some, what are some of the things they can do to maximize that? Instead of just blowing it, mm-hmm. another one to come 12 months later.
0: Yeah, there, I mean, there are a few things that I recommend. Um, the first is investing in a business like that you that you already started. Investing in something you need for your business. Maybe you did start in a shoestring budget and You're like, okay, now's the time for me to get that camera or now's the time for me to get that podcast equipment or like level up my, that, or, you know, now's the time for me to put some money inside so that I can hire someone who can mix my audio or something like that, or someone who can make this job easier for me. So maybe they charge $300 a month, but they can actually, you know, post and upload my videos and, you know, make it easier for me to market market the podcast, or maybe it is, so it is invest, you know, finding a way to invest in your business or invest in your interest, Um, paying off a bill, paying, paying off like something that you need to get rid of. So maybe it's a credit card or maybe it's some parking tickets or something like that that's going to affect you down the line, but making sure that you're paying off a bill um, or, you know, taking care of any debt. Um, I I do say allow yourself, to treat yourself with something so maybe you allow yourself to get a spa pedicure or maybe you'll get a massage or maybe you take a class or something that you wanted to take. So I do think that, you know, I'm not the person who is anti-tax refund. I know there's some people like, if you get a tax refund, it means you gave the government too much money. Like, let's be realistic. Some people aren't going to save that amount of money throughout the year. So let the government hold it because they wouldn't have that otherwise. Like it might be the largest lump sum of money they get that year. Um, so yes, you might want to do something to treat yourself because that's like hard earned money that you earn throughout the year. Um, start jump starting your savings. If you don't have any money in savings, if your savings is going a little empty, really making sure that you're using that money to jumpstart it. Uh, and then the last one is physical or property maintenance. So, was the last time you went to the dentist? Like people don't realize that a lot of issues and diseases that um that affect our bodies start in our mouth, and it's because you didn't you're not going to the dentist. And just making sure that your oral health is up to par, making sure that you don't have any, you know, underlying infections that can impact the rest of your health. Um, or just going and getting that physical checkup that you've been avoiding and so forth, just to make sure everything is working properly. But then if it's you know if everything is good there, what about your car? What about um, what about your home? Like is there any maintenance that you need to take care of? With that, with those funds, do you need to get new tires? Do you need to balance your tires? Do you need alignment? Do you need new shop? Do you need to get an oil change? Do you need to get your system drained? Like, do you need servicing on your vehicle so that can prolong the life of your vehicle so that it doesn't become a bigger financial drain down the line? Or do you need to make any repairs on your household, or you know, put um, energy-efficient appliances, or you know, do something differently so that it can save you money throughout the rest of the year and prevent future headaches? So those are ways that I suggest using your tax return because it's an opportunity to alleviate future financial headaches down the line. Yep,
3: and I I I I love that. And just before we wrap up, I just want to say I really, really, really. Appreciate you taking the time to come on to talk with us. This is like extremely dope. And for the people uh that that's not following you or they, they wanna get in touch with you, or they wanna get uh catch my five fan my fab finance content, like where can they do all those things? How can they reach you? All those good things.
0: Yeah, I've been incredibly transparent on here. So hey, y'all. Um, my my my. So if you're interested in the finance content, it's at MyFabFinance. But then um, the person behind the business who talks about a lot of the stuff that I talked about on here, um, that's Tanya T, Tanya with a O T O N Y A dot Rapley R A P L E Y um, on Instagram. And you can find that in the MyFabFinance bio. It's, it's linked there. Um, so yeah, I try to get to DMs, I try, but I am a, a working mom. And so sometimes um, my life doesn't lend to that. Like one of the self-care um, habits that I have now is I don't take my phone in the room to charge overnight and I don't charge my, my Apple watch in my room. Like everything charges outside my bedroom. Um, I don't have to use my phone as an alarm because I wake up when I want to. Like we get up, we when, it, when our day starts, when our day starts um unless I have to be on set for something so I don't bring my phone or anything into my room and that does condense my a lot of allowance of screen time so I'm not able to get to you know all the comments and something that people might say or send me but I try I try to do my best
3: that's a and just uh, wrapping up that's a gem too I just started doing that probably like a month or two ago like putting my Phone outside my bedroom. I go to bed. I turn the alarm on just so because I used to sleep with it in the bed. Turn the alarm on, just turn the alarm off, and go back to sleep. So now Right. I put it outside the room so if I get up and I walk to go get it, it's like all right. I'm up yeah. I'm up, I'm up now, so that's a little trick I do with myself. So it's definitely, it's definitely beneficial.
0: Yeah, and it's also so you can make sure that like you're not scrolling before you go to bed, <laughs> exactly. and you're not scrolling as soon as you open your eyes. Like you know, you're allowing yourself to decompress from. The world and like all the external influences mm-hmm. and you're allowing yourself to like get ready for the day without all the external influences without being bombarded like you can open your eyes and actually lay there mm-hmm. rather than like going over your phone mm-hmm. and looking at your email again, getting the text messages especially us here on the west coast because if we have family and people on the east coast they've been up and at it for like three hours
3: you wake up to so many messages deals like, all
0: this stuff you yeah. wake up to everybody's stuff instead of just waking up yeah. um so yeah, that's a self-care, a self-care habit. I'm happy that you do that too.
3: Yeah, definitely. And that's that's all I got for you. Like I said, I'm, we definitely appreciate that you came on. Like we definitely got to uh, link up soon next time we're down in uh, LA.
0: Please, please do it. I, like I said, I love what you guys are doing and I'm always here as a resource. Like if y'all ever have any questions, definitely. Like we, outside of this, we got to talk because maybe we can do an event or something. Yeah, you guys come to LA. My co-working yeah. space just asked me, like, do you want to do anything here? And like, I have an idea for something that I think that we would, would be dope here. So,
3: oh yeah, let's say less, say less. Let's let's uh, let's <laughs> like, dude, I'm with it.
0: Okay.
3: Appreciate you. Have a good rest of your day.
0: Thank you so much, and everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast.
3: Yes, man. Thank you. Well, that was another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. uh And wrapping up, for those who don't know, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C Miller. And Deanna, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Deanna Kent. Appreciate you all for listening. See you guys next episode. Peace gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a
1: million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Tryna to learn some game, Xavier exactly. gonna talk about it. Know the speak that shit that everybody voucher. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations? Why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper. I've been Taste the greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later. In the conversation, we strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments, and sacrificing temporary for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grand rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, going gon' talk about it. No, Diana speak. That everybody's out Ain't no more excuses, valid Get up off the couch and get up in your bag To your bank account, need an accountant